Gordon bowls over. The big engines were cross. A diesel, spluttered James. I'm sorry, James, but no other engines are available. Perhaps you shall keep an open mind, James. And with that, the fat controller turned on his heel and walked back to his car. The indignity, huffed Gordon. You two, started Henry, should keep an open mind. Not all diesels are vulgar. Take Boko, Bear or Philip, for instance. As times have changed, some diesels are just as threatened as we steamers are. Henry soon left for the Flying Kipper. And it seemed not too long at all until the remaining two engines were rudely surprised when the diesel arrived the following morning, honking loudly. Good morning, he purred. What a wonder it is to see you all again. The big engines had dealings with this particular diesel before. I just get back to work and don't suck a boiler hat to the air intake again. James puffed away to get the local passenger train ready. Gordon, however, was upset. Bad sleep in the nighttime had caused his firebox to misbehave and he hadn't built up steam yet. The yard manager had no time to sympathise. I'm sorry, Gordon, but I'm afraid Rebecca will take the express today. Gordon was disappointed. This meant that he would spend the day pulling the slow goods train. Class 40 was brought back to the island of Sodor to take away a special goods train from Brendan Docks. He huffed into the sidings where Devious Diesel was arranging his trucks. Ah, good to see another very familiar face, Class 40 remarked. I say, did Sir Topham Hatch eventually give in and purchase you? Mm, he must have. That's more than can be said for you. And Diesel scuttling away, sniggling. Petrol and fuel on the mainland had become increasingly expensive, and the Sodor Fuel Company was able to provide for those in need. Class 40 was taking these tankers back home for other diesels, cars and lorries to use. He idled out of the docks, guffawing to himself. Gordon, however, wasn't pleased at all. He was waiting impatiently for Bill and Ben, who were bringing a long load of china clay wagons to attach to his train. You couldn't rely on them to keep the time any day, Gordon huffed. Yeah, you just have to be patient with them, said Salty. They've been working off their wheels this week. That, however, didn't stop the twins from playing Jester. When they chuffed into sight, they saw Gordon standing in the middle line, and they came up on either side. Oh, poor Gordon. Have you been demoted from the express? Not at all. Just had some issues this morning lighting my... Looks like this will be a regular meeting then, the twins laughed as they puffed away. soon out on the main line, but trouble was brewing in his smoke box. Black smoke poured out of his funnel. He charged the Redwood station, thundering past with the heavy goods wagons. Be careful, Edward warned. Your smoke does not look healthy. 
but this didn't get to the big collision. I need to get to Bearer as fast as I can. Further up the line, however, class 40 was going at his average speed of 60 miles, much slower than Gordon's fast paces. The signalman, however, had forgotten to switch the line, leaving both engines on the same track. They were both heading for danger. The driver and fireman were both in dismay. They tried to close his regulator, but it was jammed open. It's no good, said the driver, and Gordon only went faster and faster. When he realised he was going too fast, he wailed his whistle as a warning ahead. He sped up the line and saw Class 40's brake van. The guard stepped out, waving his red flag ferociously, then realised it was no good and jumped ship. Gordon careened towards Class 40, howling his whistle again. But it was too late. The two engines were just about to cross the viaduct when it happened. Rocky the Crane was brought along by Neville and with the Fat Controller on board. He spoke to the driver and fireman and warned them severely to be careful about Gordon's temperaments. He's an old engine now. We must treat him delicately. We should have let a different engine take this train while we rested today. Once Gordon was lowered onto a flatbed, the Fat Controller turned to him. We're taking you to the steamworks where you will receive a brief overhaul. But... I'm afraid it will take some time. Class 40 took the remainder of the train to his destination, and sadly, Neville took Gordon away, leaving the Fat Controller with a glaring problem in his hands. for another express engine, he said. It was Henry the Green Engine who received the good news. 
Typical? Fuss James. You get to pull the express while I have to muck around all day with dirty trucks and dirty sidings. Well, it's not like I chose at all, said Henry smugly. Besides, I'm much bigger and stronger than you are. Strength and size aren't part of it, put in James. I pulled the express before with no trouble. Just be thankful that you can run us all, piped in Edward. What's gotten into you? Edward was quick to respond. It's nothing that you need to worry about. Look, my point is that we're lucky to be on this railway. We've said it time and time again. There are engines out there who would seize the opportunity if they had it. Anyway, we have enough of that. I have other places to be. At this time of night, cooed James. But Edward had already popped across the turntable and out towards the main line. What's up with him? James asked. Beats me, said Henry. If Edward's worried, we should just do as we're told. Edward chuffed through the night, surreptitiously. He puffed past the works and thought of Gordon. The big blue engine couldn't sleep. Oh, I wish I could be out again soon. I should have been more careful with that viaduct. I wish someone would understand. I could lend an ear, said a distant voice. Who's there? asked Gordon. Oh, come now. You've forgotten who the Duke of Soto really is. What are you doing here awake at this hour? Duke, the wise old engine, huffed. When you're as old as I am, routine maintenance is regular. Just got some boiler tubes they need replacing. However, you've gotten yourself into a right mess. I'm a very foolish engine sometimes, Gordon said shamefully. It can happen to any engine, Duke replied. I've had my fair share of accidents, so have Vulcan and Stuart, but I'm sure you'll be out there in no time. We've got to be mindful too that we're not getting any younger. We need to watch ourselves, and that includes you too, Gordon. You're right, said Gordon. Maybe it's time I just gave up the express. Oh, I wouldn't put it like that. You may just need to pace yourself. Or have some help at hand. Gordon wasn't so sure. Edward, however, had other ideas. It was midnight when he left the fat controller at Vickstown Station. Right, he said as he climbed onto Edward's footplate. Show me exactly where you went. He had a brake van attached behind him through a sighted little taunts. What? put in Henry. Are you doing here? Amos the blue engine wore a sly, toothy grin. Your worthy fat Sir Topham hat to you, the engines barged. Your worthy Sir Topham hat has asked for me to return. It appears you're in no fit order to be running the main line on your own. And with that, Amos slithered away. Be careful of him, warned Henry to James. We've had trouble with this engine before, way before you or Thomas were here. Henry was right to warn James. The red engine steamed into the station and saw Amos talking to devious diesel in the yard. You know, 
started Amos. You're shunting here in the yard. Yes, I am. The fat controller has grounded me here because I've been naughty, and I have to shunt into the yard until I've learned how to be really useful. Amos paused and said, Have you realized my point? Why should I listen to you? You're just a stinky old steamy. We may have a common interest. Your tenacious reputation does travel down the line. I'm not interested. Putting Diesel. I'll ask again, Amos remarked. Do you realize what I'm trying to suggest? Diesel looked up at Amos with a vacant expression. Then Amos replied, The fat controller isn't here. James the Red Engine couldn't hear them talking, but soon enough Diesel rolled away. The Red Engine was suspicious. Amos then pulled alongside James. I'm delighted to see that Sir Tom Hatt has such engines of high calibre like yourself. James was abashed. Oh, well, uh, all in a day's work? It's more than that. You're the only Red Engine I've seen here so far, so that must place you in a higher rank or two, I assume. James's vanity had gotten the better of him. Perhaps, James, you should pull the express. You'd be a fine sight coming down the main line. Forget about Henry. Being a primary goods engine, he has no idea what he's doing, bumping down the main line like a bucking bronco. Maybe you're right, said James slowly. A few moments later, Henry arrived to collect his express train. But to his surprise, they were nowhere to be seen. Henry's driving fireman asked a station master. James was here to take them. He was in a right gloat about it too. The big green engine was cross. Left for him was the slow goods train that James was supposed to take. He went to the yard to collect the trucks. Devious Diesel was shunting his trucks into place. Hurry, haven't got all day, Henry huffed. Keep your dome on, snarled Diesel as he buckled the brake van behind the last of the trucks. What the big green engine didn't realise is that Diesel had placed Amos's brake van onto the train, and with no notice, Henry whistled and puffed out of the yard. going well for the most part until he reached Gordon's Hill. The brake bank as he slammed his brakes on and the trucks joined in pulling the train back. Hold back! Hold back! The trucks cried. Henry tried to pull his weight forward to overpower the trucks, but as his wheels spun, something snapped and he was a great cloud of steam. Douglas came to collect the train, and Henry was towed by Boko to the works. So you're indisposed too, remorse Gordon. I'm afraid so, put in Henry. Consider it a holiday, put in Duke. How often do you get to take these opportunities to rest your wheels? And with that, the little marriage engine carefully chucked back to work. Gordon and Henry weren't so sure, however. 
McDonald was cross. Putting the truck saw in the wrong place must have tried to be pull our wheels. I put in Douglas, and in I have an idea who it may be, Donny. Douglas looked across the yard, and I diesel was rolling towards him. I hope you two are having no troubles today, Diesel oiled. We'll just fetch our trucks and put them on when we need to be on, Diesel. Yes, Donald and Douglas. Of course, Donald and Douglas. Anything you say, Donald and Douglas. And the devious Diesel slunk away, happy that his plan was going so well. This is the day, cried Amos as he rolled into the platform where the express coaches were waiting for him. His victory had finally been won. Stop right there, boomed an all too familiar voice. The fat controller stood on the platform and was very cross with Amos. I thought I could trust you to behave after all these years. You upset my engines and abused my system. Amos bluntly looked down at his buffers. I suppose you want me to go now, sir. Usually, yes. But now that two of my engines are at the works, I am forced to keep you here. However, you'll be stationed on good strains while James and Boko will share the express. I'll be keeping a very close eye on you, Amos. The fat controller stayed true to his word, and Amos remained on his best behaviour for the rest of his time on the railway. The day came that Amos returned to the mainland. Gordon and Henry arrived back at Tippin' Kids in tandem. They were greeted to a chorus of cheers and whistles from Edward James, Donald and Douglas, but that was all soon stopped when the fat controller called their attention. Donald and Douglas, I hear your work on the mainline has been good. You will be put on lighter duties as a reward for what you both had to put up with. You can go visit the Little Western for a while. I hope you like that. Sir, we appreciate the offer, but who are put in our places? Gordon, Edward and Henry all looked at each other, knowingly. I know, more engines are always needed on the main line, so I've called for the help of Edward on this one. Edward, I know you mean well, but you mean you only so... I don't want to be rude, but... No hard feelings, Douglas. But Sir Topham Hatch wasn't talking about me. He was referring to a very old friend of mine, who I discovered on the mainland. Hello everyone, the new engine said. May I introduce you to Alice? my old friend from the Finesse Railway. The engines chimed their whistles again in delight. Gordon was happy to be home. Henry was glad to be working again. Edward was very happy to have his old friend back, and Alice, well, Alice was the happiest of all because she got to live on the Northwestern Railway. Tricky Travis. While Thomas was away at York, 
Rosie was tasked with pulling the mainline local train that stopped at each station. She enjoyed the opportunity to stretch her wheels and to pull passengers to their regular stops and destinations. One morning, she pulled into Vickerstown at the end of her first run and was getting ready to head back when a strange buzzing noise filled the yard. Ah, the coaches cried, bees! But Rosie soon found the source of the buzzing. Those aren't bees, that's a tram. A double-decker electric tram fizzed grumpily to his stop. His tracks ran along the road, but Rosie could see him from the bridge above. Hello, she called. Sorry, I've got no time for niceties. Passengers to pick up, you know how it is. Yes, I do know. The tram was a little dubious. Why talk to me when you've got all your railway friends up there? It's just that I haven't seen you around here before, Rosie responded. It's because I'm new to these parts, and it's a good thing you're up there and I'm down here. Why is that? asked Rosie. Because if you were down here, we'd be in competition and I'd probably give you a run for your monies. The tram laughed. Rosie was upset but she knew she shouldn't give in to a newcomer so easily. What's your name? The name's Travis, and I suppose I should ask yours. Rosie, nice to meet you. Well, I wish I could say the same. Why do you have to be so grumpy? Driver's still finding my paces, but I want to make sure we run as accordingly as possible. How about we have a race? I have to take a good strain to Norby. First one there wins. Travis sniggered at the idea. <laughs> right you are, you're on, he said. And without any warning, he was off. Rosie knew she had some advantage being on the railway, but she tried to get ahead while she could. She rounded the bend down Arthur's branch line and towards the fishing village, and soon enough, she arrived there at the end of the line where the rails met the tramway on equal ground. However, Travis was already there. Shouldn't have asked for competition you don't have, laughed Travis. Rosie was disappointed, but was frustrated by how rude Travis was as well. Travis made his way back towards Vickerstown, and was starting to make some paces as his driver became more familiar with the road. He skimmed past Caroline the car, who coughed crossly. Road hog! But Travis paid no attention. Rosie told the other engines at Vickerstown Sheds that night about her engagement with Travis that day. The infernal cheek, remarked Henry. Never mind diesels, we have trams to worry about now, put in Molly. They were worried, and hoped all could be sorted out. But fate had other ideas. The next morning, Travis rolled out of his shed and got ready to take on passengers down the line. People embarked aboard, ready for their journey. But problems were just around the corner.
Travis was rolling along, halting at each stop, bringing on and letting off passengers. Caroline rolled behind, honking her horn crossly. Get moving, she crackled, so Travis let her. Caroline strolled ahead and suddenly her engine coughed and sputtered, and then there was trouble. Travis rolled up behind her and dinged his bell furiously. Hurry up, I have a schedule to maintain. I can't, Caroline replied. I've broken down. She was situated right in front of Travis, stopping him from going any further ahead. The passengers poured out like angry wasps, trying to find a solution. Bertie the bus rolled up. What's the matter? But without any question, the passengers sighed together in relief and piled inside the red bus. Better luck next time, John! And Bertie rolled away. Travis was fuming. Traffic piled up behind Travis as cars honked their horns crossly. Road hog, the cars and lorries called. It wasn't my fault, he said. Butch the tow truck was sent to retrieve Caroline, and the rest of the road traffic were able to move again. Travis rolled on, sans passengers towards Norrenby, where he met Arthur and Rosie. Fancy being stopped by cars on a road. I know you don't have any passengers to pull, said Arthur, but I have plenty of fish who will be happy for a comfortable ride. Fish! Smelly things! Puh. And with that, Travis rolled away on his return journey home. Double-decker dare. Arthur, the big tank engine who worked on the fishing village, was ill. The fat controller scratched his head. We'll need another engine to look after the line in your absence. The job was given to Bill and Ben. The China Clay Twins were looking forward to the change of scenery. They had to pull trains of fish trucks up and down the line from Norway. In the Vickerstown yards, there were tracks that crossed with ones that neither engine had seen before, with power lines standing tall overhead and no train in sight. Bill and Ben chuffed their way down the line to store their fish trucks, but as soon as they went down the grave from the station to the ground, the truck's brakes started to give way. Hold back! Hold back! barked the trucks. 
Bill and Ben tried to control the chops and trucks' paces, but it suddenly happened. Without any warning, a large rambunctious tram veered around the corner at full speed. Get out of the way, little sea urchins! Travis called to the twins. Bill and Ben backed up just in time as Travis smashed through the trucks with a ferocious bang and clatter. Fish flew into the air and landed all over Bill and Ben. The twins were cross. Who on earth was that? cried Bill. That, affirmed Henry, was Travis. He's one of the trams that travels on the Vickerstown tramway. He thinks us engines are beneath him, no matter how big or small we are. He's struck now, but we'll pay him back. Listen. And Bill told Ben his plan. The twins didn't have time to be washed down because they had to return back to the fishing village to collect more trucks to make up for the lost ones. Travis's tramway interweaved down Arthur's branch line and travelled side by side where both tracks met the fishing village. That's where we'll get him, the twins agreed with each other. Bill and Ben chuffed down the line with gritted determination. Suddenly, they saw the red top of a tall vehicle. There he is, there he is, chanted Ben. And as soon as the road swerved around and met the railway line, they both let up a cloud of steam and the large red moving object swerved. The sound of screeching tires deafened the twins as a big red bus lost control and ran down the jetty and into the ocean. Soon enough, the steam and smoke from the road cleared and to the twins' horror, they discovered their opponent wasn't Travis the Tram. Angry passengers on board Bulgy, the double-decker bus, held their shoes and handbags out of the water and let themselves out of the windows and onto his roof. On board the double-decker bus was none other than the fat controller. Bill and Ben, what on earth have you been playing at? The China Clay Twins suddenly turned pale. We're, we're, we're really sorry, stammered Ben. We thought your boss was that rude Tram Travis. And what, started the Fat Controller, would you be playing tricks on Travis for? Sir, that Travis is only causing more bad than good for us. I understand that Travis is not agreeable, but when there is a conflict, you come to me. Is that clear? Yabooch, yabooch, sniggered Bulgy as he was pulled away by the breakdown gang. Bill and Ben remained on Arthur's line for the rest of the week. The mood was passive whenever they came across Travis. All three remained respectfully silent. I wonder what was said to Travis that kept him so quiet.
Duncan Down Under. Duncan was excited to be in Australia on another railway. He arrived into Belgrave Station on the back of a lorry and was put onto the tracks by a group of men who had set up rails going up to him. Hope your trip on the boat wasn't too rough. We're glad to have you here, remarked Puffing Billy. Duncan sat in front of the three-berth engine shed for the rest of the afternoon as he saw engines come and go from the yard. Each of them took great interest in the new yellow engine. Soon enough his driver arrived. The manager has agreed to let you run as a light engine down the line to get your paces going. You'd like that old boy, won't you? Duncan agreed. He was soon chuffing down the line, admiring the big tall trees that surrounded the corridor. And then was a large trestle bush that curved around the line. All these surroundings are so different to home, he remarked to nobody in particular. Put a penny on the track, collect that light hour on the cover, wait for train, whistle along. Duncan soon pulled into the middle of the line, where he was to cross another train. A little green boxy engine rolled up alongside Duncan, pulling some coaches. And who might you be? You look way too smug to be here. Duncan scoffed. I happen to be here by invitation. Ah, Mr. Lardy-da, another engine on our railway, like we don't need more. The little diesel and another engine who gets to pull trains while I'm stuck here in the yards. Just then, Puffing Billy entered the station on the other line. Ah, I see you've met Nurt the Diesel. That's Diesel Rail Tractor to you. Don't bother about him too much. He gets stroppy because he doesn't get the capacity to pull a regular train like we engines do. Duncan soon heard his guard's whistle blow, which meant it was time for him to go. He soon made it to Lakeside Station, where he enjoyed the opportunity to let off some steam and fill up on water. His driving fireman soon arrived after a short stroll. Come on, old boy. Time for a homebound trip. He spent the evening at the engine sheds, chatting with Puffing Billy and Gary Garrett about the Scar Lowy Railway. You could say that I am the modern edge mentality that the railway relies on. Another engine in the shed who looked just like Puffin Billy but green, rolled her eyes. Typical. Duncan stopped and stared. What's typical? That they all like the one engine who is the most boastful of all. They only brought you out here because you're everyone's favourite engine from those railway series books. Aye, put in Duncan. If you want to boastful, you should meet Sir Handel. Just watch your tongue. You have a lot to learn, Duncan. Our railway is very different from yours. Now if you excuse me, I'll be on my way and the green engine puffed out of the shed towards the platform. That's Tilly, remarked Puffin Billy. 
She can be a bit tetchy. She means well, put in Gary, but you can't take her at face value. The three engines watchers clearly departed from Belgrave Station, pulling the evening dinner train out onto the main line. Gary chippered. Poor Tilly thinks she can give me a run for her money with the dining services. She wants to pull the lunch train instead of me. Yeah, she's saving that you got to do it today, Duncan. No wonder she's so feisty, put in Puffin Billy. Why would she replace you? Duncan asked Gary. I'm due for an overhaul. It's been a long time since I've had my boiler tube seen too. So you're saying you're old? Puffin Billy put in cheekily. The three engines laughed. Gary wasn't laughing the next morning, however. When the firelighter came to stoke up the engines, he found a problem with the big garret. There's a leak in your firebox. We can't light it up when it's damp. He turned to Duncan. You'll have to pull the first train for the day. Oh, thank you, sir. The first train for the day was always double-headed by two engines, so more coaches could be taken from Belgrave to Mendy's Creek. What? You want me to pull the train with him? Pounced Tilly. I have no problem with it, gleamed Duncan. Well, I do. Come on, yell engine. We haven't got much time. The two engines soon got themselves ready and were steaming at the platform. Duncan was content and happy for the opportunity to pull a decent train. Tilly, however, was not. You have to work with me and help pull this train together. Duncan wasn't listening, though. He had his funnel in the clouds. The guard soon blew his whistle and waved his green flag. The two engines' wheels slipped as they pulled the long train out of the station. They crossed the trestle bridge as cars passing by tooted their horns and they came towards the hill. Stop sightseeing, grumbled Tilly. Duncan didn't want to listen. He coasted along with very little effort being put into their long train of coaches. They soon struggled when they reached the most difficult part of the hill. Keep pushing, keep pushing, Tilly barked. And with one almighty heave, Duncan pushed forward, not in rhythm with Tilly, but against. And the two engines made collateral chuffing sounds as they charged up the grade and finally made it to the top. They coasted into Minty's Creek Station. With little warning, Duncan slammed on his brakes, surging the whole train forward. The passengers cried out. This, remarked Tilly, is why I asked you to listen to me. The manager was also cross. It would be wrong of me to send you away, he started. So we'll put you on lighter duties. You will help nurse at the carriage works. Duncan was worried. His track record with nurse wasn't gleaming so far. The little rail tractor thought this was a great joke. So I'm the boss and I will tell you what to do, he said with a snigger. Duncan was soon collecting coaches that needed to be fixed and took them to the carriage works to be repaired. Nurt took great delight in commanding orders to Duncan and watching him with Put those coaches there! Uh, now, now, over there! Uh, now, over there! Finally, Duncan had it. That's enough! I can't expect to do every single thing you ask me to do. Puffing Billy just puffed into the platform with his train. You two need to put a lid on it. Duncan was immediately remorseful. He was disappointed that he upset his new friend. Nurse the rail tractor said nothing. Puffin Billy went to leave the station, 
giving the two Rendons a grimacing look. But suddenly, he disappeared in a cloud of steam and came to a grinding halt. The driver inspected his engine. Looks like you've burst your safety valve. You won't be pulling this train in a hurry. Oh, but we're so close. These passengers need to get to their destination. Puffing Billy's driver turned to the two other engines in the yard. You know what? They just might. He approached the carriage works manager and whispered to him. Then the two of them approached Duncan and Nurse. We can't leave this train here, so... The two of you will have to pull it together. A, a train? Out of the yard? For me? Nurse was speechless. Come on, Nurse. Let's show them what we're made of. Puffing Billy was ushered into a siding by Duncan, and then he joined the back end of the train with Nurse on front. Duncan then remembered what Tilly reminded him. As soon as they received the all clear, Duncan huffed and Nurse grunted. The two of them made their way over the railway crossing and up the hill towards Lakeside. Come on, we'll do it, come on, we'll do it, cried Nurse. We will do it, we will do it, replied Duncan from behind. The two engines oiled and chuffed together and finally, in cohesion with one another, made it into Lakeside Station. The passengers poured out in a parade of cheers for Duncan and Nurse. The two engines brought the train back home to Belgrave, where the manager was waiting for them. Well done, both of you, he said. I'm very pleased with you, and my passengers are very happy. You're both true blue Aussie legends. True blue? Duncan was confused. That means we're very useful, said Nurse. As a reward, started the manager, you will both be allowed to be a part of our Friends of Sodor event at Jembook. Where Duncan, you will be the star attraction. The two engines hooted with excitement. They had to be up early the next morning to travel to the other end of the line. There waiting for them were Sir John Grice and Carbon, who were steamed up and ready for the special day. The two engines were in awe of Duncan and Nurt's rescue. Turns out, put in Nurt, that they'll use the pair of us together until Puffing Billy's repaired and aired again. Oh, I had to, goodie, said Duncan. I suppose I could stay for the rest of the season. Duncan, Nurse, Sir John Grice and Carbon were soon ready for the day, all polished up for visitors with their cameras, all avid fans of the Railway Series books. They usually have me dressed up like your friend Thomas, started Sir John, but after much persuasion I managed to talk them out of it this time. Duncan thought this was atrocious, Extremely pitiful when you are a narrow gauge line. We engines from the Scar Lorry Railway should be the star attraction after all. And as you are, put in Carbon, we've always looked up to you a lot, ever since the clergyman's son came to stay with us. Duncan blinked. Did you say the clergyman? Oh yes, remarked Sir John. He came down here several years ago and has been a great friend of the railway. We know he wrote stories about you lot on several occasions, but from what Driver tells me, he's kept busy penning detective novels these days. Sir John Grice paused. I wonder if he's still around here somewhere. I guess we'll never know, laughed Nurse. But we know, don't we? Put a penny on the track. 